Hello, Bridge Builders! I'm here with some exciting news. The first volume of interviews is now available on Amazon.com. The link can be found at eatlunchandboardgame.com. I promise that all proceeds from sales of this book will go right back into this podcast and channel. Whether that is new and better audio equipment for the podcast, or video equipment for the YouTube channel, or even more games to review, the money will not be wasted. Click over to Amazon and get your copy of Eat Lunch and Board Game, the first course today. And thank you for supporting the show. This episode is sponsored by Fortuna Games, STL. Owners Will and Ashley have a quaint shop here in St. Louis City. They have lots of Magic the Gathering and Pokemon cards on hand, as well as board games and accessories, like card sleeves that I am always ranting about. Use coupon code ELABG10 for 10% off your purchase. If you don't see what you're looking for on their website, fortunagames.net, just email them and see if they can get it for you at fortunagames at gmail.com. Fortuna Games, for all your lunchtime board gaming needs. It is no secret that I love racing games. I have many racing games in my collection. I've talked about many racing games on this show. I just love them. Whether I'm racing cars, postal vehicles, boats, bikes, chariots, or even camels, I am drawn to a racing game like a moth to the flame. While perusing the used game section at the local half-price books, I saw Asger Harding Granarud's cycling racing game, Flam Rouge. The son and I have wanted this game for some time. It goes in and out of production, so I took the opportunity to purchase it when I could. In Flam Rouge, you are a team of cyclists trying to strategically and tactically maneuver your riders to victory, playing cards from an ever-depleting deck. Can you outrace your opponents? Welcome back to Lunch and Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins. Let's take a look at the rule clarity for Flamme Rouge. The rule book is more like a rule pamphlet. It is one sheet folded in half. Now, it is the full 15-inch square of the box, but still only four pages. But to be honest, the rules are so clear, I don't even know why it took so many pages to get them all out there. There are a lot of examples in the rules. But really, the rules are very short, sweet, and to the point. Time to explain to newcomers. I have explained it twice to newcomers. The second time was much faster. The rules are very, very simple. The strategy comes with time, and honestly, you can explain this game in under 10 minutes. Gameplay. I like the way to select first player as I typically get it the last person to ride a bike. Each player selects a color, takes the matching decks of cards, matching player board, and the team of cyclist miniatures. The decks are separated by the backs of the cards, S and R. Each racing team consists of two riders, the sprinter, the S, and the roller, the R. To set up, first select a track or stage card and lay out the track pieces in the matching layout, the first person will then place their two riders in any of the spaces behind the yellow starting line. This is the first time strategy enters the game. It is worth noting, the right lane is always considered ahead of the left lane. 
Once all riders are placed, the game begins. Each player draws the top four cards from one of their riders' decks, selects one of the four, and places it in the notch of the player board of the corresponding rider. The three cards not chosen are placed face up under the draw pile. The sequence is then repeated for the other rider. Now, starting with the lead rider, the furthest forward and to the right, the cards are flipped over and the riders are moved the distance listed on the card. Movement of a rider is counted one space forward for each number. Side to side does not count as a movement. When done, the rider slides to the right if that lane is open. Unlike many other racing games, the track is not blocked if two riders are side by side. As long as the played card has enough movement to get the rider to an empty space, the rider can ride through the other riders. However, if there's not enough movement left to get to a clear space, the rider falls back to the last open spot. Why do I mention this? Well, once a card is selected, it is locked in. It cannot be changed. This means if you selected to move five spaces and your rider could only move two because everybody else did not move far enough ahead, well, better luck next time. Another thing to note, once a card is played, it is out of the game. Each card only has the potential to be used one time. Once each rider has moved, slipstreaming then occurs. This starts at the back of the pack and proceeds up the line. If a rider has one and only one empty space in front of them, the pack moves up against the next pack. Then it is evaluated for that pack. Then next and next and so on and so on. This means that a rider can move up more than one time. There is one clarification though. If a rider is side by side and the left lane is open but not the right, the left rider does not slipstream. He stays side by side with the rider that he was next to at the beginning. Now that all the slipstreaming is done, the last phase happens. If a rider has an empty space in front of them, the owner of that rider takes a corresponding exhaustion card and places it face up on the bottom of the draw pile for that biker. Then, the whole process is repeated. Draw four, play one, discard three. If at any time more cards are needed than are available, simply shuffle the discards, flip them back over, and fill your hand to four. Remember, though, any card played is out of the game and not to be reshuffled into the deck. Things to know about the different riders. The sprinter deck contains numbers two through nine, and the roller deck contains two through seven. This is important to know because you must choose your cards carefully. For the first few games, I would advise going through the deck and getting yourself familiar with how many of each card and getting that spread in your mind. As the game progresses, you try to use your lower numbered cards and higher numbered cards at precisely the right moments. When are those moments? <laughs> well, that is what makes this game so great. It changes from game to game, from round to round even. You try to waste your low numbers when you think you will get a few slipstreams. You bank your high number cards for the end and try to break away from the pack to win. However, if everybody else has done that, you may not break away far enough. Or there may be too much of a traffic jam in front of you and your 7 only becomes a 4. The winner is the team that crosses the line the furthest, not just first, beating the player on the right or the first person to reach that distance. However, you might cross the line first, but someone else might go past your rider, crowning them the winner. 
Each of the track pieces are double-sided and labeled with a letter. The basic side is lowercase, while the flip side might be more advanced, and it is labeled with an uppercase letter. In the base game, the advanced rules are hills. Red spaces are uphill, meaning no matter what value the card played, a value may only move a maximum of five spaces. Also, there is no slipstreaming while going up a hill. The blue spaces are downhill and carry a minimum of five spaces, no matter the value of the card played, and slipstreaming follows standard rules. This may seem like a minor change, but the hills are very different and offer some amazing new strategy and some amazing new frustration. Replayability. We have played this game in my office already half a dozen times. It is a huge hit. Every game is different. We come in and choose seats to try to be in a better position. Everyone wants to win the trophy and see their team on the top of the podium. The replayability is high with this game, and I look forward to playing it more and collecting the other expansions. Component quality. I have to say, I love the biker minis. I like that both bikers, the sprinters, and rollers have different molds. They are a nice quality plastic. The cards are standard quality and should hold up well. The track pieces are nice thick chipboard, and they are double-sided. They are puzzle piece cut so that the track stays together nicely during the game. All in, this is a really nice quality game. Lunchtime Potential I explained it, we played it, we packed it up, all in under an hour. Setting up the stage takes the most time. Then packing away the game correctly so it is easier to play the next time. The game itself moves quickly. It gets a little intense and nerve-wracking toward the end, for sure. Artwork. The artwork by O.C. Hakala and Jer Kassanen is great. Each of the teams look different. Each of the track pieces also have great flair on them. They are unique for the most part and easy to understand. The iconography on the flip side is clear and a nice reminder of the rules on the side. The box art also looks beautiful all in. The artwork heightens the flavor of the game. Expansions. There are two currently available on the market, sort of, and a third one to be released, hopefully. Peloton. This expansion adds a fifth and sixth player option, nine new double-sided track pieces, as well as new ways to play. The new colors are pink and white, and that joins the red, blue, green, and black from the base set. There are nine new track pieces. They are labeled with numbers, not letters. And they add three lane sections, single lane sections, and cobblestones. The new track pieces, as I mentioned, are three lanes wide. Other than the starting piece and the breakaway variant, the other three lane pieces are referred to as supply zones, and their light blue outline spaces allows for a minimum movement of four. The breakaway variant piece has a yellow shaded space or spaces, it is a two-round blind bid. Each player selects a card for a rider from a hand of four and places it face down. A new hand of four is drawn and a card selected. When all are ready, they are flipped and the rider with the highest combined value breaks away and is placed on the yellow space. In two to four players, only the highest value and in five to six, the two highest values break away. Any rider not breaking away shuffles all cards back into the deck. The breakaway riders discard the used cards and add two exhaustion cards to their deck. This can be strategic as the breakaway riders get a five-space jump on the pack. 
So a light bid of four or five would be a wash and you get a nice lead. A heavy bid or six or seven or even more might come back to bite you in the end. Of course, the early lead would add exhaustion to your deck earlier, but it could get you out of the back of the starting grid. Lots to weigh. It is an interesting decision-making variant. Now, for my favorite new pieces, the cobblestones. These are brutal spaces. While on cobblestones, no slipstream occurs. The paths also have horrible, horrible choking points of two lanes down to one. You have to be strategic. Do you play high and blow through it? Do you play low and try to count and always try to get through it? I don't know. So far, we haven't really found a great strategy that works every time, and that's also what makes this game so great. Also, part of the expansion, two new ways to have AI teams, or dummy teams, as the rulebook calls them. The first option is the eponymous team Peloton. For this team, take any non-used color, but only the roller deck, and add the two attack cards. They have the overlapping circles and a two in one corner and a nine in the other. This team is always in the lead spot and directly behind at the start. During gameplay, after all human players have made their moves, the Peloton team goes. Flip the top card of the deck and move both riders that amount. If the attack card comes up, move the front rider 2 and the back rider 9. The Peloton team never takes exhaustion cards and cannot bid for breakaway. And there can only be one Peloton team per game. And yes, they can beat you across the line. The other option is Muscle Team. Take both decks of an unused color and add one Muscle card, the one with a star and five on it, into the Sprinter deck. Place the Sprinter in the lead spot of the starting line, followed immediately by the Roller. Then, once every human player has flipped over their cards, flip over the top of each deck of the Muscle Team, move as normal. Muscle Team never takes exhaustion, and more than one may be used during play. If you're playing with both teams, Team Peloton is placed first. We have used each of them only once, as we typically have five human players. We like the AI for some predictable chaos-causing flips, yet we got more use out of the new track pieces and new stage cards. They just add so much more to the game, and not the chaos of that Team Peloton that just always seems to wreck your plans. Meteo. Let me preface by saying I do not own this, but I have it on two different want lists should it ever appear stateside. I cannot, at this time, justify spending $45 to import it. Meteo is French for weather report, and the Meteo expansion adds weather conditions. Five different ones, to be exact. The expansion comes with 13 weather tokens that need to be shuffled and placed face down on the straight pieces of the track after setup. Then flip them over. They will either feature fair weather and nothing happens, there are nine of these in the deck, or it could feature one of the four types of weather conditions. If a different one than fair weather comes up, place its matching standee next to the straight piece that it was on. Here are the four different weather conditions. The crosswind does not allow slipstreaming. The tailwind allows riders starting in it to draw five cards instead of four cards. The headwind, as you would expect, does the opposite, and only three can be drawn for any rider that starts on this tile. And the last weather condition is wet. It is by far the most complicated, and it sounds like the most chaotic, and I cannot wait to give this one a try. 
it is an if and scenario. If a rider ends his turn on the wet tile and lost the space due to being blocked, the rider crashes. Lay the rider on its side in the space, still occupying it. If all spots in a row have crashed riders, no other rider can pass that row. And if that spot is on a wet tile, another crash occurs. On the crashed rider's next turn, the rider is stood up and two is subtracted from the played card. This means if an exhaustion card or a two-value card is played, the rider stood up does not move forward at all, but could still end up moving to the right lane. On a descent or supply zone tile, you could still move three or two spaces respectively. I feel this is going to add a lot of new enjoyment and chaos in my office. I just need to get my hands on it. And lastly, Grand Tour. This is a new expansion due out later this year. This is straight from the BGG page for the expansion. Flam Rouge Grand Tour introduces multi-stage campaigns varying from a short three-stage tour all the way up to a full 21-stage Grand Tour. In addition to the campaign mode, this expansion also includes new track tiles, special stages, and specialist writers that allow you to customize your decks. Each of these additions can be used in a single-stage race and in the campaign mode. I like the idea of specialist writers and customizing decks. This will add a lot of replayability to a game that already has a lot, and who can say no to more track pieces? Other. As you know, I love it when I can pack the whole game into one box, typically the base game box. Sadly, there is not a manufactured option on the market right now. Luckily, someone with a lot more skills than I possess has made a box organizer for you to download and print on your home 3D printer. It is available on Thingiverse.com. Fair note, each part takes a long time to print, like too long. The longest print was 27 hours, and I was shocked my printer got through it on the first try. My guess, there was a way to shorten it, but I'm not savvy enough to know how. But, all the game fits into the base game, and I am content. I've also downloaded and printed a tire finish line to place over the finish line of the game, and a podium. Both have made the game a little more engrossing. Lastly, you can go to the BGG page for Flamme Rouge and find a handful of new tiles that people have created along with some new stage layouts. I have downloaded them, but I've only played the new stages, not the new fan-made tiles. Bang for the buck. I will not lie. For the $35 I spent on it, this game was a total deal and steal. I nicked the expansion off Amazon for the same price, which seemed a bit odd. Yet, the expansion was also worth it. Adding the additional players and the new track pieces added so much more to the game. Luckily, the box organizer that I downloaded and printed off fits everything into the box so I can recycle the expansion box, which was good because it showed up damaged anyway. Thank you, Amazon. Summary. Flam Rouge has an interesting mechanic with the depleting deck. You must balance when to take the lead and take on exhaustion and when to play a middle-of-the-road card and hope for some slipstreaming. You cannot go all out and play all your high numbers. Well, I mean, you can, but you will probably not win without some really good luck on your draws to mitigate all the exhaustion you take on. And hopefully you can pick up some slipstreaming along the way. On the flip side, you cannot play it safe as you'll be too far behind to make that final break at the end. It's all about that balance. And that makes Flamme Rouge an enjoyable game, game after game after game. We played this game every day for a week at the office, and we still keep coming back to it again 
because it never fails to entertain us. And as usual, you can reach out to me at facebook.com slash eat lunch and board game, podinbox.com slash eat lunch and board game, email me at eat lunch and board game at gmail.com, and remember, board games build bridges. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.